Hello, everybody. That was weird. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay. No, just roll with it. Okay. <laughs> um, welcome to this week's episode of Dear Bear Book Club. I'm Nikki. <laughs> and I'm Kirsty. Uh Hello. It's been a while since we did um, like a night recording, so I'm going to use that as an excuse for that. Yeah. Um, We've both been busy and... Well, and also you're like farther ahead in time than me now, so yeah, it's not just an hour difference like it used to be. What's the time with you now? Mm, it's 6.14 right now. Weren't we two, three hours before? Yeah, aren't we two hours now? Yeah, so it's not so okay. bad. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not as bad anymore. But oh, sorry. <laughs> that's that's why. That's why we haven't been doing nighttime recordings. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. did not catch on with that. And as yeah. you know, the nighttime recordings get can get a little weird, delirious. <laughs> yeah. We can tend to lose our sanity yeah. and. I was in class earlier today and all of us were kind of losing our minds. We only have like a week of classes left. So only mm. I only have four subjects. So we have one class for each of them. As of like this afternoon, it was my last, our second last class today for that c- class. Um, so yeah, all of us were like a little loopy when we were leaving and we think it's also because our classes are three hours long. So like or three and a half yeah. hours long. So by the time we're done them every day, we've been sit like in that classroom since one, and we finish at four thirty, and it's long, so we're all mm. a bit loopy. But mm. um, yeah, got this today too, so <laughs> I mm. might be a little weird by the end. But we'll see. Well, we're uh, we're powering through. Um. Yep. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. We're recording a bit early for this one because we're just trying to get back on on track here and trying to get maybe a a backlog started again but you know it probably won't work out as it always does because you know life happens and kicks you right in the nuts these the best best plans and then we like drop off the face of the earth for a little (laughs) while and we're like oh my god we've used up all the back Uh, yeah yeah but so anyway. anyway, the point of me bringing that up is that I don't really have that much um, news or book news. But um, Beth O'Leary has re- uh, announced her next book. Do you remember what it's yep. called? No. Okay. I'll just. I know I shared it to our stories, but if if I can't remember what happened yesterday, so. Oh. So, um, Beth O'Leary's new book is The Wake Up Call, and it's coming mm. in September 2023. The best. Yeah, so excited. And it's weird because she didn't like publicly announce anything, so I didn't really realize, but I'm on Beth O'Leary's like, exclusive reader mail list. So I mm-hmm. got a message about this new book, and like message Nikki in a complete like panic being like oh my god she's coming out with a new book and you were like really like she hasn't posted anything and I was like I got this email I swear <laughs> like I'm not going yeah, mad I, well, um, I mean I believed you um yeah but yeah like she because she didn't I didn't even think she posted anything for another couple days after you sent me that I think it was the next day 
Um, So it was like a 24-hour exclusive thing. But Mm. I did kind of think I was losing my mind because I... This program is kind of making me lose my mind a little bit. So I did... Was like, did I, like, fever dream that? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, But no. Yeah. It is real. She's coming out with a new book. So that'll be, like five books in like a very short space of time and she also had a child yeah and this wasn't even like one of her like listed contracted books this was like a book that she just like did (laughs) yeah and yeah so she was writing it probably at the same time as these other books she is like a mad woman in in and i mean that in the best way possible yeah just absolutely baffles me she had a kid and she probably was working in some co- sort of like producer or executive producer role on the show. Yeah. On the show. And then aren't they making the switch into like a movie? Yeah, I thought so. Didn't we- I thought we saw something about that before. Let me just double check though. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, maybe it's maybe it's also a show, but. I think it's a movie though. Okay. Oh yeah, because um, Rachel um, Brosnahan. Brosnan. Um, who is the lead in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's going to be the lead Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I remember. I think we talked about this. Yeah. 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 And is it going to be, does it say if it's going to be another like Paramount Plus thing? Um, Is it like a Paramount Plus exclusive movie or something? I don't know because there's not been much news on it since 2020, it looks like. Hmm. Yeah, there hasn't been. Yeah. Didn't it come out in 2020? The book, mm. I mean? Because I know that's Rising what you got me. Oh, no, wait. Was it Joseph? I can't remember. Joseph had me for Secret Santa that year, and that's what he got me. Yeah, because I bought the flat share <laughs> as when I bought, like, yeah, it came out in April 2020. Mm. So it was only, like, a month later date and said it was going to be made into a movie. Um. Mm. Yeah, the, like, big box, or not big box, I bought, like, four books from Waterstones in the UK in, like, the spring of 2020, or maybe in the summer of 2020, and I read The Flat Share during that time, and was like, oh my god, this person's phenomenal, and then I think that was when I, like, then gave it to you. Um, Are you sure? Because you gave me The Flat Share in, like, after the wedding, I thought, 2019. And you, we were talking about it when we went to that chapters. Because, yeah, I would have read really? The Flat Share. Yeah. You gave me The Flat Share. It was, like, remember. in around this time, probably, in 2019. See, this is how much I don't remember. I swear <laughs> I bought it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, this is completely... <laughs> does not matter at all. Um, um, anyway, oh, I'm excited for that. That'll be amazing. <laughs> This is riveting podcast um, mm-hmm. stuff right mm-hmm. here. Definitely. Um, yep. Exciting. That'll be a, a fun one. I'm sure that'll be a future read along. Um, also, I can't believe that we didn't talk about um, last week or sorry. Uh, how many weeks has it been since we recorded? Two? Two, I think. When we I can't believe. I don't remember. <laughs> I can't believe. That we didn't talk about Taylor Swift's new album, mm. Midnights. Because it came yeah, out didn't. it came out the Friday before we recorded, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Because the episode came out 
Yeah, because when we were recording, I was like mid helping my parents paint Mm -hmm. the living situation. And I made my mom listen to the album. At one point, um, my brother and my dad are really into Formula One racing. So they like (laughs) pieced out of renovations and went to watch the race. So Mm -hmm. we were painting and I was like, mom, can we just like listen to this album? Because I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. And it had been like two days and I was like, I got to listen. So um, I did it while listening to like while I was painting. So I really didn't get the chance to like sit down and listen to it. Fully Um, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Joseph wanted to put it on the car the other day. And I was like, no, I was like, I want to sit like either in a bubble bath and listen to it or like sit where I'm like super comfy, like in bed or something and just like listen to it, immerse myself Mm. in it. Yeah, that's the best way to listen to them. Um, so I just like, I- I've like avoided it um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the past like however many weeks. Apart from that one time where I made my mom listen to the whole thing. And my mom was like, oh, this is not bad. Because um, like, I-, I don't think my mom really know. Like she would like be able to like be like, oh, is that Taylor Swift? Like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like she wouldn't mm-hmm. like know, mm-hmm. I don't think, any of her songs mm-hmm. specifically. Except yeah. for like maybe like shake it off like the big ones, but like yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So um, we actually had like an album listening party on that Friday because Taylor Swift was releasing a new album and the mm-hmm. Arctic Monkeys were releasing a new album. So that's like me and Evan's two favorite bands, pretty much. And then also I don't know, like freaking Evan and James have their stupid King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard band that also apparently they came out with three albums in in October this year why i don't know i don't know i i don't understand it but there's actually well there's been a few people who have listened to this podcast i don't know if they are continuing to listen from australia but can you please write in and explain to me what king gizzard and the lizard wizard does for you guys because i don't get it we that's the show that we went to in in vancouver a couple weeks ago and i was just appalled that well you know, to be fair, I have never been to a concert that was like, there was a mosh pit. Yeah. And I was just horrified that this guy beside me was just like slamming into me with his with his shoulder. Like he literally would take his shoulder and just like jam it right into me. And I was like, excuse me, sir. I'm a woman, a tiny little woman. Like, why? Yeah. But also, why do you want to like enjoy a concert like that? Like, I don't know. Anyway, it wasn't for me, but also Good it was- Good for him, like, not for you. Yeah. Apparently, like, they played a lot of their, like, really heavy stuff. And at, yeah. the entire time, Evan was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. They're not going to play any anything super too, super crazy. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm not going to have a good time, probably, but I'm going to support my husband. And then I had the worst time. And Aww. also, I couldn't even get drunk because, like- I had gotten so sick on my birthday. I puked so hard on my birthday that I literally thought I was going to die. And so that was only a few days later. And so, like, I ordered a beer there. That was, like, the first, like, sip of alcohol that I'd had in, like, four days since since mm-hmm. the incident where I was puking my guts out. And I literally thought I was going to throw up again. So I gave it to Evan and I was stone cold sober the entire concert. Because that was going to be our plan was that we were going to go and we were just going to get super drunk. So that we didn't have to think about what was happening to us. But I couldn't even 
I could. I didn't even have that luxury. Yeah. But anyway. I also felt super guilty because I wasn't there either. Um, oh, it was... I mean, that was... And we just had, like, the weirdest day in Vancouver. <laughs> like, going on the bus down East Hastings and James had never, like... James had never, like, hadn't been on a plane since he was, like... Since pre-9-11. He hadn't been on a, fl- on a plane. That's, like, he's, over 20 years. I know. And he, like, is afraid of heights and, like, gets motion sickness. So he was just, like, white-knuckling it the entire t- flight. <laughs> and then we get well, to bravo Vancouver. to him. <laughs> we get to Vancouver and he's, like, uh, we get on the train and then we have to get off the train downtown. So we're, like, standing downtown waiting for a bus. Like, three weirdos came up to talk to us about the ra- most random stuff. Like, Evan was talking to some guy about pigeons. And then, like, we get on this bus, and it goes one stop, and all of a sudden, you hear sirens, like, converging on our location. And literally, like, (laughs) there was, like, fire trucks pulled right in front of the bus, and we're just like, oh my god. (laughs) So we get off the bus, and we start walking down the street, and there's literally smoke billowing out of this college in downtown Vancouver and it's just like on fire and we're like and we're like okay so then we like walk to a different bus stop to get on a different bus I think it actually ended up being the same bus we get on and then these two people get on the bus and sit right next to James and they just smell like pee and we're like James welcome to Vancouver (laughs) oh lord it was it was wild. That was a wild first day, but the second day was really fun. We basically walked all all around like commercial, and we were like show James like the waterfront, and then we like did the um, uh, uh, the rec room, which was super fun, and I really want to get one here. That like I think it would really do well in Regina, but it's probably not big enough. It's probably not a big enough market for them. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's the point cool, that I was <laughs> the point that I was trying to make was that we did a listening party with Taylor Swift and the Arctic Monkeys, so we had a couple people over. But Evan wouldn't let me listen to it beforehand, and I wasn't like I was just gonna like do the thing where I like just quickly listen to like a few minutes or like a few seconds of each song. Yeah. So that I could fully appreciate the songs when we were listening to them. Yeah. But he was like, no, you can't. And then I was going to still do it behind his back. But after he left to go to work, Mm -hmm. but my headphones ended up being dead. Oh, great. So I guess that was karma. But anyway, I've had a chance to listen to it like fully on my own. And like, yeah, it's good. It gives me like, it's very different from her last to like new ones which were like folklore and evermore like they're not similar at all it kind of reminds me it's kind of reminds me of a mix between like 1989 and uh reputation because it's pretty poppy and it has like 80s vibes Mm -hmm. that's what i noticed i was like it seemed more like dance albumy than like Mm -hmm. um yeah then the last I don't know, and Evermore for me was just like absolute best. Sorry, I just dropped something on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I preferred folklore, but 
Yeah. And I still think I also Folklore wasn't is- like a T Swift fan until Evermore, so like I could just be like a one stop wonder for me. Um Yeah. Um not to say I don't like her stuff, but I could not tell you what's on like any album. If I said, Oh, I love this Taylor Swift song, I could not tell you what album it's on. Except for the Evermore ones. <laughs> yeah. And she announced that she's going on tour, so I really hope that she's coming to Canada. Taylor yeah, Swift, if you're so. listening to this, please come to Canada. I feel like if she comes, she's only going to go to Toronto. Like, there's no way she's going to go to Vancouver. Yeah. Because that's what she did last time for the Reputation Tour. Even When she was doing her Lover Fest thing, she wasn't coming to Canada at all. But that was going to be a bigger thing. It was going to be, like, a whole, like, festival thing. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I, I was just kind of surprised of, like, how there was a lack of, like, East Coast tours in the States. Like, mm-hmm. she's not going to New York. She's going to New Jersey. So, like, I guess that's, like, I think yeah, where she's seems... going is, like, just across, like, the Hudson. But mm-hmm. I was surprised she didn't have, like, Madison Square Garden or, like, um, well, somewhere, I think it's arenas. like, the Wrigley Stadium in, um, yeah. She's, she's not going to the Wrigley Stadium? No. No, she's not going to Boston either. Um. She's going to, like, Philadelphia and um, New Jersey. And there's, like, another one. But I was just like, oh, okay, weird. Yeah, there's um, some really weird choices. And I don't really mm-hmm. know. But, again, I don't and know, then maybe. When I saw the support acts, too, the only ones that I would, re- like, really want to see would be Phoebe Bridgers or um, Paramore. And Paramore kicks mm-hmm. off. And it's only one night. And I was like, well, that's... Mm-hmm not gonna happen um Mm. and then phoebe bridgers i think it was like in austin and i was like yeah i don't know Hmm. yeah we were thinking about like doing um well i was like originally thinking like minneapolis because i i think you can drive there from here but um and the the mall of america is also there so i was like that'd be kind of fun but then somebody else was also saying, like, Colorado is not a bad drive from here either. So, I don't know. I, I think she's going to, she will come to Toronto. I just hope that she does, like, a couple nights. Yeah. Because then, like, if she only goes to Toronto, like, everyone is going to buy tickets and, like. Yeah. Gotta say, Ed Sheeran has two nights in Toronto. Um, and I feel like he's, like, almost, like, on the same not to say like he's in the same part as Taylor Swift, but I I think he is. But like, I think he I would say he is. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So like, Did you know um, what? Did you know that when I went to see the Red Tour in he was Winnip- yeah in Winnipeg in oh god Damn. I don't even know it would have been like 2013 because me and Evan were like first dating. Wow, and yeah, That's he like- was. Actually, it was Sean Mendez. Like Sean Mendez was the open opener. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if there's a term for that, but like Sean Mendez went before um and Sharon and Sean Mendez was like a nobody at the time. Nobody knew who yeah. he was. And so I don't even know if I would have known the songs that he did at the time, but Ed Sheeran the only like super famous song that he had at the time was The A Team. So like mm-hmm. he he did his set and I was like who the fuck is this ginger guy like I don't I don't care. Bring out Taylor Swift. And then he played that song at the end and I was like, "Oh." But like didn't, so that's didn't like even... me. I went to see 
the Pussycat Dolls years ago. <laughs> that doesn't seem like your jam at all. No. So <laughs> I think a friend of mine, she, her brother had like worked security at the like arena in Aberdeen and. Oh, okay. She, he, I think he'd gotten tickets and I think he might have thought it was going to be a bigger deal than it was. Um, so it was like he wasn't managing to like sell the tickets. So I think that's how we got the tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went along and this would have been like January of 2009. I want to say, um, I can verify this. Um, just give me one second. God, my computer. Yeah, I was slow. never, I was never that big into the pussycat dolls so i couldn't even tell you if that was no. if that was their peak period or not did they have a peak period i don't know it was not I good no idea. <laughs> anyway so the only reason that like this concert sticks in my head so vividly was the support act because the support act was lady gaga so I've no seen way. Lady Gaga perform, and it was incredible. Like, before she was famous. So I just looked up when Just Dance was released. So Just Dance was released in April of 2008, and I think I saw her January of 2009. Mm. Because uh, my friend Ellen, who was always, like, on top of the trends and stuff, she, or, like, was always listening, because in the UK they have the chart show, on the Sunday evenings where you listen to what's at the top of the charts. And that week, I think we must have gone to the concert on like Monday or something because on the Sunday, Lady Gaga Just Dance was number one because the next day, Ellen was like, yeah, like I know who she is. Like she's number one right now. And like, I was like, I have no idea who this lady is. And I think once the song played, I was like, oh yeah, like I know who she is. But I saw her porn perform like bad romance like Mm. all of these songs like the one that's like um oh is it bad romance the one where she's talking about like let's have some but fun this beat is sick i want to take a ride on your disco stick um Mm, yeah love game yeah that's the one that came out like even before just dance isn't it i I, I have no idea but (laughs) she had like the coolest outfits on and there was only her on the stage with this like entourage of guys as dancers. And I just remember um, distinctly, there was like all of these mirrors that had like these little podiums at the bottom. So she would be like on these mirrors and they would be like spinning them around and she'd be like walking on between the like different podiums of like these mirrors and stuff. Or then all the mirrors would be surrounding her and she'd be in the middle. Coolest. And she had like the huge like Just Dance like sunglasses on. She had a few different like outfit changes. Like just the choreography and her like whole performance it was like because i've seen pink quite a few times it was like seeing her where it's like a show that is put on it's not just Mm. somebody standing there dancing or singing yeah which i don't mind i'm going to see ed sheeran that's what i expect from his concert he's just going to be there Mm -hmm. record like and singing but to then have lady gaga who was absolutely incredible to then have the pussycat dolls come on (laughs) where the only real good one was like Nicole Scherzinger I think her name is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they all like sung like their songs that they had together but then there was like solo ones where they all got like their own song to sing on their own we could have just left after Lady Gaga I'm sorry (laughs) because of that dolls like you were not good 
<laughs> and after seeing Lady Gaga too, it was just like this phenomenal, one of the best support acts I've ever seen in my life. And somebody who like obviously now is not a support act. Um, yeah, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see see her the week that she was like number one in the UK. That's, that's so like, cool. I, I will never forget that. And it's like my claim. Like I, yeah. And I love Lady Gaga too. So like if I saw her like now, like, yeah, I would, I would die a little bit. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. one of those moments too, where you could buy, like, she had like three things of merchandise compared to all of these Pussycat Dolls things. And I, re- that's one of my deepest regrets is not buying her a t-shirt. Um, mm. Cause I think I probably yeah. bought a shitty Pussycat Dolls t-shirt because i was like who the fuck is this lady like i don't know who yeah. she is why would i buy her like vest top or whatever like yeah oh yeah one idiot yeah yeah well anyway that was a that was a huge was a detour. tangent <laughs> <laughs> but we've both uh, had those moments where like we've seen support acts that then became like huge people huge um, yeah at least and you were seeing honest, like though. a good person though like um <laughs> Yeah, Taylor Swift. And that concert was fucking amazing. So I'm sure any other concert that she does will be yeah. amazing. But like uh, like when she did Folklore and Evermore, I was like, it would be amazing to see one of those, like her do like specifically those two albums in like a dive bar. Yeah. And I I know that would never happen, but like to, to see like it into, in like a smaller venue like that would be like, oh. I would die. Mm. I would just die and go to heaven. That's where, like, there are certain artists who only go to, like, smaller places. I, d- I don't think the case is now. Um, well, I know it's not because, um, like, I think for a long time, City and Colour only went to smaller venues to, like, have that more intimate experience. But mm-hmm. then, because, like, in Halifax, they would only go to, like, the Rebecca Cohen um, Centre, which is, like, one of Dalhousie's, like, arts buildings. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, like, like they host a lot of comedians and stuff like that. It is a smaller venue. And I'd heard like when I first moved here, he only like played there. But then a few years later I saw him at the like the hockey arena, um, the I guess the Scotiabank Center or something now, but it was like mm-hmm. the Metro Center. I saw him perform there. But then in Vancouver too, he played at the um excuse me, the Queen Elizabeth, which is a huge venue, but Mm. it also, it's like one of those venues that feels super intimate, but I think it's the way that like the seating is Mm -hmm. that it feels like super intimate. Um, But that was the first like after COVID thing we did. I don't think you guys were still No, I think we had just left or something. I think you guys had just left. Um, That was a big day for me. Telling us about it. Yeah. We had a huge weekend that weekend. I like went and got like a four hour long tattoo. Um, had like wow. an hour and a half break and then went downtown um, to go to a City and Colour concert. And it was one of those things where like restrictions had been lifted, but we had to still wear masks in like the auditorium. They had like lifted it so we weren't going to and then they like brought it back in that for like venues you had to wear masks mm. again inside. So mm-hmm. but then there was these two drunk girls in front of us who like weren't wearing masks. They were vaping inside. It was just oh, like yeah. I don't I was get that. So I don't irritated. And they were like bragging about the fact that they like were getting kicked out of other concerts there and stuff. I was just like I hate you. 
And there was a guy who was sitting beside them who had, they were like flirting with him and he like said something about, oh yeah, like, because they were like, are you meant to be here with someone? Because there was an empty seat. And he was like, yeah, I was meant to be here with my girlfriend, but she'd like fallen down the stairs or something, like hurt herself. So she like wasn't coming anymore. So he decided to go on his own, which I was like, "Mm, sus. That's but sus. um, Yeah, that is super sus. Yeah. I'm also nosy as fuck when I'm at these things. I, like, want to know. And Joseph will be talking to me, and I'll, like, zone completely out. And he's like, you're not listening to me, are you? And I'm like, no, because these people here are having a fascinating conversation. Um, (laughs) But I was, like, reading over these girls' shoulders. Because, like, when you're in, like, close seating and stuff, and one of the girls was, like, texting her, like, dealer to see if he had, like, Molly and stuff, I was just like, what is going on today? I have never, like... What must their lives be like if you're texting your dealer for Molly? I don't know. I've just never imagined and my she life had, that like, way. Just quit her job that day and was like oh. ready to go on like a three day bender. And I was like, okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was interesting, but that was like the first thing we did. And then the next night we went to see Eddie Izzard in concert uh, or like oh, yeah. perform uh, a comedy, uh, comedy show, a comedy <laughs> show. Um, but that was also nuts because of the restrictions and stuff. They had to check everybody's vaccine cards. Oh, that's what it was. Mm. There was vaccine cards and stuff had just been introduced like a couple weeks before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So we waited. We arrived to the venue like 20 minutes before the doors were opening or 20 minutes before it would start. And we were like the entire round the back of the oh. block away from yeah. it. We didn't get yeah. into the venue for 50 minutes. So... I was panicking thinking the show would have started because we were like half an hour after the show was meant to have started. We got into our seats, but they delayed yeah. the show by an hour so that everybody oh. was in. Um, so it was wow. fine, but it was like, yeah. And that's the last tour that they're doing. So like, I was quite glad that we got tickets, but yeah. And then again, Vancouver shut down like again, a couple months later. So like, or BC, I should say, but yeah, weird times, but Yeah. Anyway, well, <laughs> huge tangent again. That that's well, half an hour. Should we start? <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. So this is our read along episode because right now we're just doing one regular episode and one read along instead of Yay. three normal ones and one read along. So our read along right now for this episode is. By Taylor Jenkins Reid, and it is Kari Soto is back. TJR. Yep. Our supreme leader, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Awesome. Do you want me to read the summary? Sure. It's not my forte, so. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Carrie Soto is fierce, and her determination to win at any cost has not made her popular, but by the time she retires from tennis, she is the best player the world has ever seen. She has shattered every record and claimed 20 Grand Slam titles, and if you ask Carrie, she is entitled to every one. She sacrificed nearly everything to become the best, with her father, Javier, as her coach. A former champion himself, Javier has trained her since the age of two. But six years after her retirement, Carrie finds herself sitting in the stands of the 1994 U.S. Open, watching her record be taken from her by a brutal, stunning player named Nikki Chan. Hey. 
At 37 years old, Carrie makes the monumental decision to come out of retirement and be coached by her father for one last year in an attempt to reclaim her record. Even if the sports media say that they never liked the battle axe anyway, even if her body doesn't move as fast as it used to, and even if it means swallowing her pride to train with a man she once almost opened her heart to, Bo Huntley. Like her, she he has something to prove before he gives up the game forever. In spite of it all, Carrie Soto is back for one epic final season. In this riveting and unforgettable novel, Taylor Jenkins Reid tells her most vulnerable, emotional story yet. So, straight off the bat, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. And I don't know if it's because I love tennis that I just, I love this book so much. So I really want to hear like your perspective on this because I grew up watching a lot of tennis. I grew up watching Wimbledon, which off the bat, it's Wimbledon, not Wimbledon. There's no T, it's a D. That's right. We talked about this And it drives me up the wall when people get it wrong. So yeah, all good, but just say it right. Um, But I grew up watching like Grand Slams because my mom was really into watching tennis. Like she watched a lot of tennis in like the 80s and 90s and stuff, like when she was growing up. So like during like this kind of prime time of like when this is meant to be set. So that's interesting. I really enjoyed it and like, I don't know how it would be from, like, a perspective. I felt like they did a good enough job at the beginning of, like, describing how, like, the sets, like, how the points and stuff work. But maybe Mm -hmm. not. I don't know because I understand how it works. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I loved all those tidbits and just, like, the little, yeah, I, yeah, loved it. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, as someone who's, like, never watched a game of tennis in my life, I, like, I didn't find that to be a problem like and ultimately it's not really about tennis no but like I feel like you kind of do like having like the background of tennis knowledge like I don't mm -hmm. know it like made me appreciate it um Mm -hmm. maybe in a slightly different light um it did make me want to start watching it and actually funnily enough when we were down in Australia um, 2011 were you there like in January then 2012 can't remember what year it was but um yeah we were down there so we um left on christmas day and we were there until after and we were there until after new year's Mm -hmm. so when we were in brisbane because i think the the australian open is in brisbane right i thought it was melbourne oh that's right yeah they would have been prepping for it because it happens i think like towards the end like the final, I think, is towards the end of January, so they probably would have been starting up when yeah, you were leaving. I feel like I remember, but we were we were never in Melbourne, and we we didn't go to Sydney either because my my um like cousin's wife who was from there was like showing us around and places she knew and stuff. So we were like mostly on, like we were in Brisbane and like we went up the coast, kind of on that side, and. But, like, I feel like I remember, because she's really into tennis, she was saying, oh, there's someone in our hotel who's, like, a famous tennis player, but I don't remember who, mm-hmm. I have no idea, who, I ha- I would have had no idea who it was at the time, and I have no idea yeah. who it is now, but, like, well, I remember probably, it being a big, a big deal down there when we were there. Yeah. Probably because, like, 
um, you need to kind of like climatize and like from the books too, you can see they mm. go like ahead of time to like yeah. get used to the courts Train. and like yeah. each of the different like slams mm, or some of them have like um, like Wimbledon's on grass, it's lawn and yeah. then um, French Open is clay? Clay, mm-hmm. Um, Melbourne and Australia, I think, are both like the like plasticky stuff, um, like hardcore. I think that's yeah. I can't remember, but it does say somewhere. Yeah, I think there's only three surfaces that you play on. Um, yeah, I think or so that too. you can play on because I I just know that like the Australian Open and like the U.S. Open, I always remember it being like bright blue. Right. Yeah. Whereas yeah, like so it's like yeah um the French Open has like like red clay and then um Wimbledon's grass mm-hmm. and it's funny because mm-hmm. like at the beginning of Wimbledon like the gla- grass is like pristine on center court and like court one it's always like immaculate <laughs> by the final it's like looks terrible destroyed um yeah especially where like they're running along the back part like it's shredded um so I wonder if that like affects the play at all like. Yeah, it does. And, like, effects, like, the ball turning and stuff, like, it becomes, like, predictable. And, like, that's where, like, with certain ones she was talking about, like, yeah, like, the she could, like, tell, because Wimbledon was her, like, prime court, she could, like, tell the way the ball was gonna go and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, before delving any further, I was super hesitant about this book. Mm-hmm. I, I, I when I it was agree. first announced I think the two of us yep. were because I think we talked whole, about it on here yeah the whole like idea about it being like Neva Riva's mm. husband's or like now ex-husband's in this world he had an affair with Carrie Soto because he was a professional tennis player I just don't deal well with affairs that's not I just don't like it and like reading about it, don't like it in real life. And <laughs> yeah, as I was we've really like not gonna, hmm? I said, as we've chronicled on this podcast. Yes. So I was really hesitant about reading this book because I was like, mm, didn't really like you as a person in um, that, but there's something that you just like get to love about her so much um, and understand like why she is so analytical and like, cut about her life um like compartmentalizes a lot um yeah what i liked about because like like you said we were both kind of hesitant about about it when it was coming out because we didn't know what the story was going to be about but like it's like i don't know is it ha- like is it even half a page about him like it's like he's mentioned oh he's like a and, blip yeah it's like not even about him at all and it's not like about the like her having an affair with him at all. No, not at all. So He's like that's, not even a factor, that I like really. that. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that cuz she does get to have her own story and it's not like about her. Yeah. But and I feel like when I read it too, I felt like there was remorse in regards to what she did to like Nina. Mm-hmm. Um cuz that wasn't like I feel like she was like he was a dick and like didn't like explain what was really going on in his life um so it Mm -hmm. made her seem like this more horrible person like yeah um, yeah 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 so 
um yeah i did like that that part of it and like it also explains like when she was with him at that time of her life like she was not doing well mm-hmm. and she was cope she was coping by just like having basically a bunch of sex with people that she didn't know super well so i mean it was like yeah yeah it was a good part of the book but um you're gonna be mad at me <laughs> but Maybe not i i mean okay so okay so for one thing i gotta say that it's like t- it's tjr like yeah so i liked it like it was a, f- a good book and it was a fine book to read but I didn't feel like I connected with her at all. And, like, maybe that's fine. Like, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't always. But, like, I, I just can found get behind it... that. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> and I think it's because she was a tough person, like, a tough main character to love. Yes. And fall in love and I with. And I get I get that. Like, I understand that that's how she's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I found at the beginning of the book, I was just like, oh, this girl's such a bitch. Um, And obviously she's meant to be portrayed like that. Like, that's the whole thing. But I grew to love her a lot. And I would say in some ways, maybe it's because it was like the most recent one I've read, but I think I do like this book better than Malibu Rising. I still haven't read... The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So, like, out of the, like, four within this, like, like universe, yeah. mm-hmm. I have only read, I've read three of them. Um, yeah. So I can't really Is give, only like, four? I think so. Seven Husbands of yeah. Evelyn Hugo, yeah. Daisy Jones and the Six, Malibu Rising, yeah. and this one. Yeah. Um, so I feel that I can't really give, like, my full scale because I haven't read The Seven Husbands, but... um. Out of them so far, I think I would place this one ahead of Malibu Rising, but I think it is because the tennis. I just fucking loved it. I've never read a book that's so interesting that has just I don't know, it like revived my love of the sport. And yeah, yeah that I just is nice it was though. Really fascinating way, like the way they had the sports caster things, but I also think that my experience of it might be different of yours because I listened to the audiobook too mm, so like yeah. they had a lot of people in the audiobook like there was the main person who read like all of um like Carrie's stuff but then whenever it was the sportscasters it was different people so like um I think it's John McEnroe he's an actual tennis player oh uh- yeah, mm-hmm. in real life, and Patrick McEnroe is his brother, and he did some of the sports casting stuff mm-hmm. in the book. So I thought it was really interesting. There was like a bunch of people who were listed on it. Um, our good friend, um, my favorite audiobook person, uh, Julia Whalen. I'm pretty sure she does like she only does like one snippet in here, like mm-hmm. one chapter that's just kind of like an anomaly chapter. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think maybe my audiobook experience might have helped in it too. Like, um, and also like we were thinking of like other things of like when we were reading books too. I was just starting my, my course mm. when I was reading this. Yeah, I think there was a lot of like positive things going on 
and mm-hmm. I was just like thriving off this. So I think that that also can have an influence on my yeah. reading experience of this book. But I can completely understand that I did not empathize with her at all. Like even though like she went through the hardship of like losing her mom at a young age, I really didn't mm-hmm. empathize with her for most of the book. Um, because yeah. I was like when we like mentioned Bo, I was like. You'd be a hell of a lot, a lot nicer to this guy. Like, he is obviously, like, head over heels for you. Like, yeah, cool it. Um, yeah, and, like, to be honest, like, by the end, obvi- and obviously, like, it's kind of the typical, like, like 80s movie thing where it's, like, you're, your character is, like, not so great at the beginning and then they learn to become a better person by the end. So yeah. by the end, like, it is better and she obviously like gets over the thing where she needs to be the one be the winner all the time and she Mm -hmm. realizes that there's more important things in life than winning and like being the best and whatever but it's just like yeah so like the beginning I just like yeah like I said couldn't connect with her and I just found it to be unrealistic that a person would be that single-minded mm-hmm I guess and like because basically she made her entire life tennis and I was I just I didn't I didn't I didn't find that to be realistic and maybe I can kind of see it because like her she lost her mom at a young age and her dad like that's the thing that they bonded over and he was like wanted to make sure she still had a good life even though like she didn't have her mom but I think it went in the opposite direction because like if you make your life only about one thing and I mean, yeah. like, that's that's why she was in this, like, in that situation in the first place. Like, when she was sitting there in the stands at the beginning of the book and she's watching Nikki Chan take her record and she was like, I can't let this happen. It's like, well, but, but, like, it doesn't... You had your would, time, kind of, like... Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't diminish your accomplishments, but I realize, like, she does learn that at the end. Like, it doesn't diminish her accomplishments by having somebody else, like, but... Anyway, it just like it seemed like no no real person would be that would um, make their entire lives about like one thing because especially when you retire like I what do you even do at that point? I do think professional athletes are cut from a different cloth um so yeah. and that you have to have that ambition and drive to like be really successful at your like sport. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. <laughs> yeah at all i do not have that drive i do not have that competitive nature i do have a competitive nature but that's when i'm playing board games against joseph and <laughs> against other people i don't specifically I hate mainly yeah. joseph though like yeah but joseph's a shit like i'm sorry but he gets <laughs> he's stupidly good at like everything and it's very yeah. annoying and... and then he gloats he gloats yeah he's, he's such winning. a shit about it um and he's like to start off with sorry like, joseph oh, like, but it's, it's true not, it's not and then it's like haha i'm winning i'm like mm, yeah just drive me up the wall with that um i yeah. love you but like can you just suck at something once in a while um <laughs> yeah like just to make me feel good about myself <laughs> okay don't do that but like you know what i mean um yeah so yeah. so i can see that like professional athletes and stuff like that are cut from something different and that like I can understand that she's came like I just think because her father was also then an athlete like she only mm, had that influence had no... in her life she didn't yeah. have that like the her mom who like wasn't like didn't really care about that like 
Yeah. She didn't have that in yeah. her life. That's a good point. And okay. Yeah. yeah. But then that's where like the story for me is not just like your like romance story. And I think that that's where like Taylor Jenkins Reid does such a good job. Her stories aren't ever just like romantic novels. There's always like an element of romance in them. And I think, well, for these ones anyway, um, I think like the maybe some of her earlier works, yeah, it's just like more like romance novels. But these ones, there's mm-hmm. like that complicated like thing. So like this is more about like her and her dad and like the romance is like a side story that happens even though mm-hmm. i love her and Bo, i think it's phenomenal and you could just tell too like especially later on when she's like um dealing with some stuff and he's like taking care of her mm-hmm. he like they're together but she's just like not quite clicking she's like why are you here um yeah and I think one that's like to do with like grief and stuff, but also, um, yeah, I think that there's something like super nice about this not being entirely focused on like her relationship with Bo. There's like all of these other relationships because even like the relationship with her and her manager is like super sweet too. Mm, um, yeah, and she kind of like gets it. Like you're a woman within like a man's world, and like mm-hmm. yeah. I really liked the sequences too where um the like when the sportscasters are talking mm-hmm. and like there's one single female sportscaster and she's trying yeah. to like basically stand up for Carrie and say like oh cuz like they're basically tearing her a new one yeah. and they're like oh she's like too aggressive like she's a bitch whatever blah 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 I've always hated her like yeah and it's because she's not like you know pretty or like I'm sure she's pretty but like you know what I'm saying she's not like your typical yeah conforming to the standard beauty uh, norms like yeah yeah exactly and she's like trying to stand up for her and she's like yeah but she is like the best tennis player of our time essentially and they're like ha shut up you're a woman what do you know just like yeah this is this is too real (laughs) like yeah um there was something we i mean joseph were listening to a a podcast the other day that i can't remember the name of but they were like mentioning something about how they were talking about like women directors in movies and stuff Mm. and how like for female directors they um they can only make good movies Hmm. because as Mm -hmm. soon as they make a bad movie they're like taken out of the industry they cannot make another movie whereas like male directors my fucking michael bay is still making movies they can churn out shit movies they can churn out fantastic movies but they are not like ostracized by the like movie industry because they made a shit movie that's mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, that's a blip. Like, whatever. But yeah. it's like, women have to work twice, if not, like, way more than twice as hard to get mm-hmm. into the industry in the first place. And then once they're in, they have to be, like, this, like, pinnacle of perfection all of yeah. the time. And it's like, why can't we make messy art? Why can't we make shit art? Like, why can't we do these things that is a huge part of creative process? There's this huge thing about, like, being perfectionists. And I think that that kind of like encompasses within this book too, where like there's all of this pressure just for women and none of it for men. And oh, one of my fucking highlights of this book. 
was mm-hmm. after she won Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And she's at the ball after Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the douche canoe that won <laughs> the men's title was yeah. like, yeah, but you only had to play three sets. Yeah. The, he had to play five. And it's like, but yeah, she could run you off the court in five. She plays five regularly as part of her training. It's not like she can't do that. Um, it's just yeah. like the shitty patriarchy bleeding down into the these tournaments think that women are lesser, so they're yeah. only allowed to play the three um, sets. Like, no female yeah. tennis player alive would just be able to play three sets and then, like, peace out. Like, yeah. What fucking tool? Um, And that's like, which reminded me of um, an interview with like real life tennis players. Um, Andy Murray, who, love you, Andy Murray, um, is a Scottish tennis player. And years ago, or not years ago, like a few years ago, he was um, doing an interview and somebody said something about um, I, I don't know if he was like playing against like Federer or something who so he said something about like him having the this other male tennis player having um the most um titles in the world and Andy Murray was just like male athlete because they said like tennis player like mm, encompassing mm-hmm. like just everybody mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. just like male because um, <laughs> Serena Williams has way more titles, and this like person just like didn't even consider the fact that she has won more titles, and just yeah. like, and so Andy Murray was like, um, "No, you have that wrong." Um, and it's like a brilliant little clip because he's just like, generally speaking, he's a very stone faced athlete. He like very rarely ever smiles like on court and stuff like that and people he gets like a lot of flock in the media for that and i'm like christ can't people just do what they need to do like well and we're like caring if people smile like yeah exactly it's like what what does that matter or does like his like ability to play tennis matter like yeah and his actual sportsmanship like who cares and it's the same the same thing in this book like it's like because she's a woman she's like oh well she's a bitch because she focuses and doesn't really try to make friends in the in the locker room and that's talked about more than the fact that she has the most amount of grand slams of any woman in tennis yeah so annoying it is very annoying Um, um I also like speaking of uh, like making friends of lo- in the locker room. I wish that they would have gone more into like the friendship with her and Nikki. Like at the end, yeah. they kind of like become friends, and like I really like the guess... like scenes that they had together in like the yeah. was it a bar that they met up in or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it was really nice. I really loved like their dialogue back and forth. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's no, okay. Does she lose? She loses, right? Who like Carrie? Carrie Soto loses to Nikki Chan. At the oh yeah, end, right. Yeah, at the end. Okay, yeah. okay. But by that point, yeah. she's like fine, she's fine with, with it. it. She's resolved yeah. it all. Like she's okay. 
But that's why I kind of, like, would have liked to have, like, them be friends, which I think that they definitely are friends by the end. But, like, I still felt like there was, like, she was still putting distance between her because she had that competitive nature. But, mm-hmm. like, um, like, at the, at the end, like, if they would have, I don't know. And she even sends her, like, a gift, doesn't she? She sends her, like, a basket or something to her room, like, when they, when they find out that they're going to be playing each other yeah it's just kind of like yeah. bring it on kind of thing like i love that competitive like um like joking but also, around with each other yeah but also they were like friend like friendly and they were like yeah. she was i i think maybe ultimately in the end that's what makes carrie soda realize that like is fine mm-hmm. is that she nikki chan is like we're gonna play and whoever wins wins and like it's not like the end of the world if I lose. No, and it's not the, a reflection on you. It's yeah, just what's happening. Like yeah, yeah. So yeah, and actually, it's interesting that you say that this is your favorite one because I would say it's my least favorite one. Oh, I don't think it's my favorite. Daisy Jones and the oh, Six okay. is still a favorite. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't get the top spot, and I don't think anything. But will it's ever better get... than Malibu. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. For me, it is. But it's maybe also because it's the most recent one I've read. If I read Malibu mm-hmm. Rising, I'd probably say that that one's the top <laughs> one. So, like, Christ only knows. Um, just, like, right now, the feeling that I have is that this one's better. But that could be different the next time I read Malibu Rising. Because it has been, like, over a year since I've read that, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Or coming up for a year. So, like, yeah. I think it's my least favorite one. Uh, yeah, probably like Malibu. I, I I don't know. I can't decide between Daisy and um El- Evelyn. But mm-hmm. like even like on the thing, it says like Taylor Jenkins Reid tells her most vulnerable emotional story yet, and I'm like I, I don't see this as being a vul- vulnerable emotional story. Like Evelyn Hugo, I know you haven't read it, but that was way more vulnerable than this. I do know what and happens with, in the book. I did read the synopsis of it. Um, same thing with Daisy. Like, and I just con- like connected with those characters much yeah. more. And I don't have to necessarily connect with every character. It's no, mm-hmm. not every, not everyone's going to be for me. But mm-hmm. though speaking, we tiptoed around it. Um, like this is fair warning. This will what I'm about to say will be major spoilers. Um, <laughs> but her dad passes away, and. Yeah. I think that's maybe where they're talking about vulnerability. But in some ways, and I thought the whole thing about like the book and stuff was very sweet about like his tactics for like mm. um, playing and stuff like that. But I, yeah, I don't think that you can lay and say that the book is entirely vulnerable when she like actually didn't deal with that very well. Um, yeah, exactly. She eventually did, like, kind of crack and open up about things, but not really in the best way. And so, yeah, I don't really agree with it being, like, the most vulnerable work yet. I feel like that's a bit of a, um, almost, like, clickbait for books. Um, mm, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess they got, write, <laughs> um, they got to write something dramatic there, I guess. yeah. But uh, I definitely think that there are vulnerable moments, but not necessarily the most vulnerable. Because, like, 
even Malibu Rising, like, it has so many vulnerable moments when you're talking about, like, how, like, tough it was for Nina to essentially raise her whole family. And then mm-hmm. when her mom died, like, well, she had to raise her whole family after that when she wasn't even, like, legally meant to be raising a family. Um, even before that, because her mom was, like, a freaking yeah. alcoholic. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, before that, she was essentially raising her siblings anyway. So, like, yeah, that's a t- whole other different side of vulnerability, like... Um, but I suppose in some sense, like, there are things that, like, she never dealt with, like, the fact that, like, as humans, you are weak in a lot of ways, and she, like, mm-hmm. never dealt with that, and yeah, yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. I did think her relationship with Bo was really sweet, and that her dad and Bo got on so well. I thought that was really charming, mm. too. Um, just, I don't know. For me, it's really important that, like, whoever you're with has to get on really well with your family, especially like family means so much to like me, but also like most people, it means a lot to you. So like, um, (laughs) like the two for me just have to gel really well. And yeah. So like, I really thought that those kind of moments were really sweet, but yeah. But even like, she, like, she thought that that was weird. Yeah. Like that her like that Bo was like hanging around and like liked being around her dad and like training with him and stuff. And I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that she only ever had her dad. She like had nobody mm-hmm. else in her life. Um mm-hmm. so like having somebody else come in and like show any sort of like thought or care towards her was just like so alien that she didn't really mm-hmm. know how to react to it. Yeah. I don't know. And, and like I said, it's still a great book, and I yeah. enjoyed reading it. I just don't think that I'm like it's not going to be sticking with me as much as like Daisy, Daisy Jones, no. or like Evelyn Hugo. Like it's not going to be that book that I think about like years from now. No, and, and I think that like there's sometimes just like books that you like gravitate towards again and again um mm-hmm. maybe because you really like the sweet story in it or whatever but i've never felt the need to really go back and like read malibu rising again yeah um i thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it i think it's a great book people should read it and i think yeah. i feel the same about this one where i'm not like yeah gonna gravitate and read it reread it. again i think it was a great book um mm-hmm. but like the uh, the flat chair super excited to read that the next time the switch but those are again yeah. books that are so singularly unique to me too that I have to like leave like a fairly decent amount of time before reading them again because because mm-hmm. you remember yeah. so much about them I remember mm-hmm. so much about them because I really love them but there are books that maybe are slightly more on like the fluffy side um that I truly love um did I do the love hypothesis on here mm-hmm. I like forget what we've done I need to write up a master list because I have a brain that- with an absolute sieve <laughs> that one's bad because that one was like we literally only did it like two or three episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. But I guess well, te- it's funny because the last read along that we did was um, lessons in chemistry, and my mom was like, mm. "Oh, because um, she's taken a long time to read it." She's like, "Oh, I hope you like. I-, I I can't wait to hear what you and Nikki say about this." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll have to write a note about that." And my mom's like, "Didn't you already record and release this episode?" <laughs> and I was like, "Did I?" 
did we and she was like yeah i swear you did and then i thought about i was like oh my god we did and i was like yeah we didn't talk about that so don't don't hold your breath about listening to us hear about that because we did not talk about that um you know what it's been a really hard couple months (laughs) yeah and i don't remember anything but um there's only so much love in your brain yeah i do really love ali hazelwood's work but i feel that it's like soft and fluffy enough that i can kind of re like listen to it over and over again but i think it also helps that i really like who reads the audiobooks so listening to their voices is almost like mm-hmm. soothing like i can get on and do mm-hmm. like a bunch of other stuff because i know what's happening mm-hmm. i don't like have to have all my attention on it um mm-hmm. i really enjoy the stories so like she's now released two books she has like a few like little like mini books too um mm-hmm. but her i two, saw that like, the other day yeah she has like three like, that are like enclosed in like one book now um okay but her two like main books it's love hypothesis and love on the brain those mm-hmm. two i really love listening to like i think they're phenomenal books i ha- i've like physically read them too um i think they're great um yeah on that topic just like a little <laughs> side note um i know this is a greatly debated topic within like the reading world oh boy listening to audiobooks is a form of reading like reading text doesn't is not just the sole form of reading and people need to get off their fucking high horse about it (laughs) um i had somebody a couple weeks ago when i was talking about oh yeah like i read that book the other week and whatever and i was like well actually like i listened to the audiobook um in the car like that's the best way i like reading books and she's like so you technically didn't read it then and i was like i know what fucking happened so how about how about that well do you want to like quiz me on what happened in the book because i like hearing things to me sometimes settles in my brain more so Mm -hmm. and sometimes if i'm really anxious i like to be doing things with my hands so like listening to stuff i was like who are you to judge are you going to turn around to somebody who um now this is a tidbit and this is the only reason i'm on this like topic right now is because somebody i went to high school with a friend of mine she tweeted something about or like retweeted somebody and she was like why are we still even debating this and it was like a retweet about like listening like does that even constitute being reading so i like mm-hmm. messaged saying this is what somebody said to me the other day and like took me all my energy not to scream and she was like what i do is i say well what do you consider somebody who is blind and reading braille are they not mm-hmm. reading and i'm like mm-hmm. what a fucking clap back love it <laughs> here for it using that from now on because yeah it's it's ableism and like fair enough i don't have any sort of like thing that i cannot read a book i can just like i find it easier i can listen to hours and hours of books without stopping whereas a book i get severely distracted and it's only like in my recent years (laughs) realizing how distracted i get actually looking at a book um but i can do other shit well, I'm doing listening to audiobooks. So, mm-hmm. who are you mm-hmm. to judge me and what I do? Anyway, this is a whole thing. No, and I and I get really I annoyed about it. But it's ableism at its I, finest. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I don't know. Like, who cares? Why do you care so much? You do you, I do me. Like, why are you Now they're like, now there's so much, like, I mean, even with this book, like, there's so much production value that's going into audiobooks now. And they're so much more popular. And I just finished um, Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen. And it isn't about her life. It's fiction. But Mm -hmm. she was an actor turned audiobook narrator. And so was the character in her book. And at the very end, she, like, goes into, like, like an author's note about, like, okay, so this is not based on my life. Like, just, um, yeah. But it she brought a lot of, like, very important issues about the, like, about audiobooks to light. And it just kind of, like, I don't know, gave you a new appreciation of it. Especially because I was listening to it as an audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. It would be interesting reading that as an actual physical book, but, um yeah super good and yeah audiobook narrators do not get enough credit for the work that they do especially ones that can do multiple accents and that's where like julia whalen is fucking phenomenal so she was Mm -hmm. reading her own book and it's written in like both people's like voices or like mm-hmm. read in both people's voices but one of the audiobook like the narrators he has like a different voice and stuff so like she like goes between all of these i have a tough time speaking in one language or like one well, voice let alone like all of these different like ow um <laughs> characters yeah. and like she does this like male voice and i swear to god i was like Hot damn, Julia Whelan. <laughs> like, her Irish accent, well, like, blow me down. Like, fuck. It's interesting, it's so good. too, because, like, and now, now that, like, they're doing more audiobook production and stuff like that, I feel like, and even with, like, Beth O'Leary, it's, she had um, some actors doing her, her book for the, uh, fuck, the no show. Yeah. But the people who have literally trained and who specifically only do like voice acting and narrating yeah. audiobooks and stuff like that, they you're right, they don't get enough credit because, and I think I've been reading a bit more about this because people are pissed that Chris Pratt is doing the voice of Mario for that new like Super Mario Bros movie or whatever because oh, okay. he just go he just goes in and he doesn't do the Mario voice he just is Chris Pratt doing Mar- like he just is doing his regular voice mm. as Mario. And everyone's like, why? Like, why would you There's pick Chris? so many like, different just... people that you could have picked. Yeah. And, like, the guy who does the voice for Mario, like, is still kicking. And, and like, they could have picked him. Of, like, Bradley Cooper. He did phenomenal as, like, I don't even remember the raccoon's name in Guardians of Rocket. Rocket. Yeah. I think that's his He name, does a phenomenal it? voice. Hmm? No, I think that's his name, but. Yeah. Know. Anyway. And then, like, sort of Benedict Cumberbatch, like, being the dragon in The Hobbit. Mm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Andy, uh, is it Andy Serkis? For, who does Gollum? Yeah. Yeah. I think is so. Is it Andy Serkis? Anyway. I him. think so. Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I'm not saying you can't do both. Like, uh, like I definitely think you can, oh, yeah. but. But there are certain actors who can only do their own voice. 
Yeah. But there is such a wide plethora of actors who do phenomenal voice acting. So why don't we pick from them? Yeah. Like, I think the only reason they picked Chris Pratt was for, like, star power or whatever. But just to get people to, like, go see the show. But, like, anyway. I hope you can see the massive eye roll I just gave to that. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the... I'm sorry, Kirsty. That's the world we live in. Yeah. Everybody uh, just wants to make millions of dollars and they don't care if it's bad as long as people pay to go see I the movie. Care. <laughs> God damn it. Also, I did um, start listening to... So there's certain people who are like, yeah, they have their own voice. Let's listen to them. Matthew McConaughey wrote a book about like himself, mm-hmm. like an autobiography, and he reads it too. Mm-hmm. Um... Mm-hmm. And there's something just as, like, kind of warm and fuzzy about his voice that I can just be like, yeah, I can listen to you all day. Definitely. Um, But I just feel like sometimes in some roles, he's, like, putting it on. Yeah, I can get that. And you can kind of tell. I don't know. Maybe him reading, like, his autobiography would be different because he wouldn't have to, like, I don't know, prove prove anything. But, like, sometimes I feel like he's forcing it. Yeah. I can get behind that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Anyway, there's a lot of good people out there that, like, we need to, like, maybe give them a shot at doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And audiobooks are, you, that's still reading. And, you know, that's interesting that you bring that up, be, that you, like, like absorb information better, like, by hearing it. Because mm-hmm. I've done, like, now I'm doing, I'm training still, I'm new at my position. And at the beginning, they did like a, like a little test, uh, basically just like a yes or no or true or false mm-hmm. um, quiz to determine what your read like what your learning style is. Yeah, I'm sure you might have done something similar because you're going in to be a teacher. But um, like I, mine is almost all kinetic and visual, and no mm-hmm. no audio at all. I hate listening to things, even like. Like, sometimes Evan likes to turn on a YouTube video while we're, like, watching a show to fall asleep to, and I, that drives me crazy. Like, I can't listen to them both at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, I'm like, you have have to pick. Too much audio. Like, audio overload can happen, but I think it's more when I'm doing something else. And when I say I pick up, I know what's happening in the book, but I don't think that that would be my primary, well, maybe it is listening um because still like if I want to like focus on something reading wise I have to have something like in my ears like blocking Mm. out everything else Mm -hmm. so I still think that that's almost like I need the auditory part um yeah but I can't listen to things that I know like the the beat or rhythm to I can't listen to songs with lyrics like it's very because then that, that my whole thing I'll start typing an essay that has like lyrics to a song in it um (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, like, I found one, like, one time I listened to instrumental Christmas music while I was studying, or maybe it was mm-hmm. when I was reading. Can't remember. But it was, like, perfect. That was the only thing, that's the only thing I can listen to. Mm-hmm. And for a while, it I was trying on... to listen. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. Yeah, for a while, I did try to listen to, like, Vitamin String Quartet. So it'd be, like, songs that you know, but, like, yeah. no lyrics, and it's, like, an instrumental version. But even then, that was when I was, like, studying for this course that I'm trying to do now. And I was like, I can't. I can't focus mm-hmm. on. I, can't 
I think it also changes with age too, because there was a while where I could definitely do that. Um, or listen to like full songs. And it depends on what I'm studying. Because mm-hmm. when I was taking, I was t- having to take like an extra math course for my degree. And I was sitting here one day doing like math homework, listening to Paramore. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, don't I ever feel like I'm 17 again? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, this sure. is ridiculous. I feel like I'm in high school. Like, this is so bizarre. But when I'm doing something that requires like my full focused attention of like I'm writing something that's maybe like very critical or like I have to have like a lot of detail and stuff I'll mm-hmm. like there's varying degrees of it um, but it's very interesting mm-hmm. um yeah yeah but yeah no I think I I maybe I'm just like mostly audio a little bit of visual because there's certain things that I can like then like visually have to like see i can like remember like maybe like an outline on a page but i can never remember Mm -hmm. the full text whereas Mm -hmm. joseph he can Mm -hmm. like spout off like passages from movies like quote things from movies and i'm like how do you remember that and he's like oh well i just like rewatch it again in my head i'm like how yeah how do you do that yeah whereas i like we like play some like oh my god the stupid games that we do sometimes um he'll play like a clip of a piece of music from a disney movie and i can tell you like where that is in the disney movie mm-hmm. but it's probably because i i detect it when i'm listening like watching the movie so i can like pinpoint yeah. oh yeah that's pay- played like halfway through this section like this is yeah and it's played because it's so and so's mom or whatever like yeah yeah but it's so fascinating how our brains work like that and like everybody's like slightly different and what works for them and i think that we need need to be more considerate and that's where in education i have been learned there's like these in the practicum class i was in there is a girl who or there's a student who is struggling with reading so they got her they got them this device that is kind of like a weird highlighter so see how sometimes you can get highlighters that like are almost see-through so you can like the ink goes around Mm -hmm. the edge of it and you can see through it it's like that Mm -hmm. but it has like a tiny little screen and you can plug headphones into it so you hold this highlighter down onto the page and it has like a little light and it reads the text and then says it aloud that's so cool i know i was sitting there absolutely baffled so then we were like showing the student how to use it so we had it without headphones plugged in so like it follows the words and like puts them on the screen and then says them aloud so Mm -hmm. the student could sit there and like read in the class during like independent reading they can just sit there and scan the book now it didn't work for like things like comic books and stuff because the student Mm -hmm. wanted to like um read like we had a uh, um illustrated copy or like graphic novel version of the movie or the novel witches which i think came out mm-hmm. a few years ago but like um as a movie but we had a graphic novel in the class and so she so they wanted to to like use it for the book but because like the text in those kinds of books are like slightly like not like standard mm-hmm. text um mm-hmm. So the student just had to use it on books that were more like your actual like regular print. Um, mm-hmm. 
But it was so cool. I was like, what the hell? Like, that's such a cool piece of kit, like, to have in a classroom. And it's hers because the student, um, it's theirs. It's an adaptation that they got for a learning thing. So they keep that in their own desk and they get to use it whenever they're doing independent work. And the teacher did say, you can't use this all the time. Um, We will want you to read at some points, but it's to be there for like when they can't have somebody like there all the time to help them read. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's such Mm -hmm. a cool thing. Yeah. So this is like um, in your university or that was in your practicum class? That was in my practicum class. Yeah. Okay. So that was an actual student getting that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We were just talking about this the other day because Evan, Evan really struggled a lot in school and he hated school like the entire 12 years that he had to go mm-hmm. and and I mean they were talking about it because like they were we were watching a show where they were talking about how boys have to have a lot of trouble mm-hmm. with the way that like school is set up and um um yeah and he was just saying like yeah like I always had a really hard time in school and I was just thinking like I wonder if when our kids go to school if there will be more adaptations for them if your child has good teachers there should be plans put into place if that child needs them and that's where like you have to recognize that students are doing well but then they can maybe like verbally answer questions or like they know what's happening they just can't figure it out like they can't dissect it themselves but yeah um point is we were talking about how like we were wondering because like less people are having kids that Mm -hmm. are our age and so we were wondering if it would be like helpful because I think the problem was when we were kids is that like there was some some classes that you were in where it was like 30 kids to one teacher so like how how do you that's still a problem because populations are (laughs) it's ever expanding and like classroom size is a huge thing that has to be negotiated with um contracts and stuff so Mm -hmm. um the class size but also the composition of the class so like how many high needs you have in the class versus like Mm. like lower Mm. like all of that has to be figured out because some places you can't have over a certain amount comprising your class um but then other places it they don't have that like language in their agreements and stuff so it's very it varies across the country um Mm -hmm. but roughly the class size I think is smaller than when we went to school because I seem to remember like all of my classes throughout elementary school had 32 in it because in my year there was always two classes at max capacity and there were 64 kids in my year because there was two classes of 32 wow and then the practicum class i was just in because it also depends on the age of the kids too so i think the higher mm. you get the bigger the classes so mm. for the class that i was just in which is like grade four it was i think 25 or 26 was the maximum in that class mm-hmm. um okay so that is helpful in some ways but it and it feels like there's a lot more support um 
Yeah. And well, some of those supports so are needed. Now, now. Yeah, that's true. And um, a lot of the testing was only done on males. So that's mm. why you find such an increase in females being tested for ADHD in their 20s because all of the original tests were just done on males. So all the characteristics that they went for matching stuff was all only for males. For so like, yeah. So like that's why there's such a higher percentage of boys who get tested and have diagnosis for ADHD as children because all of the like signal points are there. Yeah. But and then also, there's like, they, like kids learn how to mask certain stuff, so then you don't pick up on it for yeah. a number of years. And then there'll be a, t- a teacher who maybe does something slightly differently, and they're like, you actually don't know what you're doing in any of these classes because the way that they were taught and assessed was through like mimicking and repetition mm-hmm. and stuff, not a- through mm-hmm. actual knowledge. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of emphasis of us like learning how to not teach that way. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it seems like it's changing. Yeah. We just know a lot more now. Yeah. I don't even remember how we got onto this. I don't remember either. This was a major <laughs> sidebar. Oh, these late night <laughs> recordings. We like got to like me. 11 minutes after the one hour mark and we got onto this topic. So it's been like 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes okay. of sidebar. Yeah. So back to Carrie Soto. I oh, liked Lord. it. I didn't love it. I, I well, yeah. No, I, I think that's fair to say. I liked it. I didn't love it. I gave it a four stars on Goodread. Yeah. I would say four stars for me too. Like, I know I came straight with the bat and was like, I loved it. But like, <laughs> sometimes I just don't. I'm just like, yeah, I loved it. And then I'm like, hmm. Well, I mean, but. I just feel like there's a difference between loving it and, like, enjoying it. Yeah. Like, I love, love the flat share and the Switch, and I enjoyed the no-show. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with, like, TJR. Like, I loved Daisy and Evelyn Hugo. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed Malibu Rising. Yeah. I'm excited so. to see where she goes next with her Definitely. books because she's finished with this universe that she created she's moving on to something else yeah. um yeah and i think that that's a really good move she knows when she's done with it that's such a great thing because like there's that's yeah yeah you can um, capitalize a lot on stuff like that so yeah yeah um but also what were you saying yeah there's like certain things you just know like okay i loved it or like and i would still recommend this book like 100 percent mm-hmm. yeah i think i, I still would... gave it to my mom and my grandma yeah um but yeah i can see where there's like hesitations or like yeah i'm not gonna rush back to read it i did think it was a great book mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i was so pumped for it to come out and i think sometimes i like ri- this is where my thought was going i sometimes ride the like the high of the book and I'm like, mm-hmm. this book is fucking incredible. I like write on this high from it. And then afterwards, once we start talking about it, and this is the reason why we don't talk about these books in advance too. Like yeah. me and Nikki, like very rarely <laughs> we don't want to notes ru- on things because we don't want to ruin stuff for each other or like talk about it too much. We want like all of the goss to come out on the podcast. 
Um, you have to post that video that you sent me. Yeah, that's what I just had to, like uh, a reminder of it because I was saying about it. So we 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 have to post that on our Instagram. Yeah. So we should <laughs> explain. When I was reading this book, I had a moment where I was like, "Fuck you, Nikki." um for making me read this book because what do you mean um, i didn't make you read this book no you didn't make me read it but like you did get me hooked on the uh, taylor jenkins read and that was where my thought process was going i was like i'm gonna blame this um in the moment i was sad and i was angry so i took it out on nikki um and i was driving so i was like i can't message her but in the moment i was like nearly crying in the car um so i sent her a voice note and i was essentially like i hate you for doing this to me (laughs) but this is funny because nikki has done this to me before about books that i've recommended for her so i felt like i was justified in (laughs) being allowed to like vent in that moment but it was kind of was that when when her dad died or i think so i think it was Oh, it was okay. I think so because you would ask me about it. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah," because you messaged me and you were like, "Oh, well, there's more to come." And I was like, "More? Her dad just died." And you were like, "Oh, no, you got to it. You're fine." Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because I think I asked you like if yeah, I can't remember, but anyway, well, I think you asked like, me worried. where I was in the book. And like two days before I had been, I was like, yeah, I've got quite far in. And then I looked at like how much like time I had left to listen to the book. And I was like, yeah, I haven't read a lot, actually. Um, (laughs) I'd only listened to like two hours and I thought I was like halfway through the book and there was still like another 10 hours to go. And I was like, oh, dear, I really haven't Mm. read a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's very funny and I'll figure out how to post it. on it might oh, take yeah. me a while but that, i'll figure out how to post it that but also i was talking about that video that you sent me I, just a couple days ago where it's like the two people are reading and it's the like the dialogue from friends where it's like do you know what i think you know and like that you, mm-hmm. that one you know what i'm talking about no i send you so many things i've i <laughs> kind of blur out and don't remember half that's the stuff. true okay I'll I'll have to find it and I'll have to post it because it's literally us because we're like do you do you know do you know what's happening because <laughs> we don't want to spoil it for the other person yeah it's literally us oh my <sighs> yeah yeah anyway. so when are we recording <laughs> when's the next one um we didn't really decide when the next one's gonna be okay but it's a very special episode yeah oh So the next episode that we're doing is going to be a Christmas special one. So the the one that's being released now, or when you're listening to this, is the November episode. The next one we're going to release is the December episode, and we're going to do a Christmas theme. So Yay! Yeah, and then the one that we're going to release in January is going to be The Flat Chair by Beth O'Leary. So we are super and excited. It's our anniversary episode. It's our one year anniversary in January too. And the flat share is being released in what, December 1st on mm-hmm. Paramount Plus, the TV series. So we're super pumped about it. So we thought it was like the best time for people to like dive into the book, but also dive into rereading the book 
<laughs> dive into the TV show and then reread the book at the same time. Um, it also gives us the chance to do the same and then talk about not only the book, but the TV show yes. all in one. So it'll be a really cool mm-hmm. episode because we won't just be talking about the book. We'll be talking about the TV show, which we wanted to do for a while. Can't and wait. we thought we would do for normal people at some point. And we will eventually do it for normal people. But yeah. um, with all of we'll these things there. coming out, like Daisy Jones and the Six, because it's a TV series, <gasps> right? Yeah. Or is it a book? I think they're just doing or, they're doing a, a limited series. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a TV series. I think it's a limited series. So they're not going to do like more than one season i don't think and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be like whatever eight episodes or whatever but i think that's like the yeah, flat chair too two. i hope so yeah i really hate when they try to like extend things that are like a full story already yeah the handmaid's tale <laughs> not a fan of that for me yeah still haven't watched it or read the book but it's on my list mm, the book is so good the tv show i dropped so... off the face of the earth with it but yeah um yeah so yeah. um keep an ear out keep an eye out keep an ear, ear and out. eye i don't know keep for, an eye out on our instagram th- page keep an ear out on spotify or wherever you listen yeah yeah for that christmas special and then we'll probably take a bit of time just to be with our families for christmas yeah of course um they will come back but then we have the very exciting and screaming in january for that yeah. episode yeah exactly um thanks for listening guys yeah thank uh, you, you want to get in touch if you want to get in touch with us you can follow us on instagram at dear bear book club you can email us if you have any thoughts comments questions concerns mm-hmm. um you can email us what's our email dear bear book club at gmail.com yep and mom and... you said you were going to email in even though i now live in the same house as you email your thoughts in yeah, maybe mom. once you actually finish lessons in chemistry, we can still talk about <laughs> it afterwards. Any of the yeah, episodes we that we've talked talk about, about just like anybody send us a message, we'll have like a a little like segment on stuff. If anybody yeah. wrote in, I would be happy. Oh yeah, which huge Say shout hi, out again literally. to um my previous coworker Carla who sent a very lovely message on instagram oh, after yeah. we show it out to her i still haven't Carla. like responded to her because it makes me upset when i think about it um well i liked yeah. it i just liked it i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to answer for you mm-hmm. so i just liked it <laughs> yeah but thank you carla you're very lovely i yeah. miss you thanks carla um i don't know <laughs> you but i like you she's a writer's fan also from her not so, oh yes yeah. Woo! awesome <laughs> Except for they are sucking this year. We gave up. Sorry. Yeah. We really gave up on them. Anyway, anyway thanks this for is- listening, everybody. <laughs> okay. This has been literally like sidebar after sidebar. I don't even know. Did we even talk about this book? It doesn't feel we like We did for like half an hour. So <laughs> have a great life. Why did you say that? I feel, like I, I feel like I said that after the last episode, too. Um, keep thanks reading, everybody. We'll, keep reading. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.